Wish you weren't hearing an ad right now? Want to get the next episode even sooner? Well, after the show, head to watchnebula.com slash radio. You'll get access to our original podcasts ad-free, plus exclusive originals and experimental shows from your favorite educational-ish creators. And best of all, you're helping us to make even more amazing content. Just go to watchnebula.com slash radio. It really helps us out. I just want to find uh, 11,000... 780 votes. Well, it took some time, but it looks like we finally found some voter fraud. We're only a couple of days into 2021, and there is already a new Trump tape. I have to find 12,000 votes, and I have them times a lot, and therefore I won the state. It's been just about a year since President Trump made the perfect phone call to Ukraine, where he attempted to leverage over $400 million in American taxpayer aid to Ukraine. That call was perfect. It couldn't have been nicer. In an attempt to get help against his main political rival, Joe Biden. But it appears that President Trump is not done with the 2020 election. Now, the Washington Post has obtained bombshell audio of an over one hour long phone call between, on the one hand, President Trump, Mark Meadows, and a lawyer for the president, Cleta Mitchell of the firm Foley and Lardner, and on the other hand, Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger and Secretary of State General Counsel Ryan Germany. And the parties for over an hour discuss the Georgia election. And during this call, President Trump, shall we say, expresses his extreme concern about the numbers in Georgia, that the certified election results have gone for Joe Biden, the president-elect. And on the other hand, Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger says that the numbers are correct, that there was no impropriety and that they are very confident in those numbers and that the information the president has is at best incorrect. But our question for today is whether the newest leaked audio has put President Trump in criminal jeopardy or not. Now, I'm not going to go into whether you can indict a sitting president because we've talked about that a million times on this channel. And also President Trump is not going to be the sitting president for very long. Also, let's not get bogged down in whether he can pardon himself. Moving on. And not surprisingly, already a number of right-wing outlets are saying that the crime is not the phone call itself, but the fact that someone would dare to leak a non-private phone call with the president of the United States. Uh, Though I think those arguments, not only are they made in bad faith, but here uh, they don't hold water because on the morning that the tape was released, President Trump tweeted out, I spoke to Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger yesterday about Fulton County and voter fraud in Georgia. He was unwilling or unable to answer questions such as the ballots under the table scam, ballot destruction, out-of-state voters, dead voters, and more. He has no clue. To which Raffensperger responded, There was no agreement, and we didn't know what the purpose of the call really was. We assumed it was about the November election, and really Wednesday. If President Trump wouldn't have tweeted out anything and would have stayed silent, we would have stayed silent as well. And some people are claiming that this is a confidential settlement conference regarding litigation. And while there is such a thing as confidential settlement agreements, I've participated in many of them. The thing is, if you disclose the content of that conference, then arguably you have waived your privilege to that content. So it's likely that even if privilege attached, which I don't think would be the case uh, in this uh, particular phone call, arguably the president has waived any claim to privilege here. So what's the big deal about this phone call? The people of the country are angry and there's nothing wrong with saying that, you know, uh, 
that you've recalculated. Well, actually, there could be a lot wrong with saying that you recalculated if you haven't actually recalculated, if you're not allowed to recalculate, if you recalculate for pretextual reasons, or if you use the recalculation to change the numbers inappropriately. There's a lot that can be at issue here. So let's start with Georgia state law. Uh, the first part of Georgia Code, section 21-2-562, deals with fraudulent entries, unlawful alteration or destruction of entries, unlawful removal of documents, and neglect or refusal to deliver documents. It's obviously against Georgia law to falsify documents or records in connection with an election, or to make any false entries. And then there's Georgia Code, section 21-2-576 destroying or defacing or delaying delivery of ballots. Any person who willfully destroys or defaces any ballot or willfully delays the delivery of any ballots shall be guilty of a misdemeanor. Then there's section 45-11-1, offenses involving public records, documents, or other items. It's against Georgia law for public officials to falsify any record related to their office. And then there's section 21-2-597, intentional interference with performance of election duties. Under Georgia law, any person who intentionally interferes with, hinders, or delays, or attempts to interfere with, hinder, or delay any other person in the performance of any act or duty authorized or imposed by this chapter shall be guilty of a misdemeanor. And that refers to the election duties of election-related officials in Georgia. And then there's section 21-2-604, good old-fashioned criminal solicitation to commit election fraud. And the important thing to note in terms of this solicitation offense, which is actually the case with most solicitation crimes, is that it's not a defense that the person you solicited did not take the bait. And those are just the obvious Georgia state-related election crimes. Then there's a whole swath of federal law related to elections. The Department of Justice Guidance on Federal Prosecutions for Voter Fraud states that the following are prosecutable election crimes. Quote, Malfeasance by election officials acting under color of law, such as diluting valid ballots with invalid ones, so-called ballot box stuffing, rendering false vote tabulations, or preventing valid voter registrations or votes from being given effect in any election, as well as in elections where federal candidates are on the ballot. Now, 18 USC sections 241 and 242 are the civil rights conspiracy statutes. Section 241 states, if two or more persons conspire to injure, oppress, threaten, or intimidate any person in any state in the free exercise or enjoyment of any right or privilege secured to him by the constitution or laws of the United States, or because of his having so exercised the same, they shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than 10 years or both. And the next section, 242, makes it a crime for any person acting under color of law, statute, ordinance, regulation, or custom to willfully deprive or cause to be deprived from any person those rights, privileges, or immunities secured or protected by the Constitution and the laws of the United States. That includes depriving people of their right to vote and have their vote properly counted. And then the other most likely applicable federal law would be the National Voter Registration Act, uh, now codified as 52 USC 2501, which also makes it illegal for election officials to commit fraud. Specifically, anyone who knowingly and willfully deprives, defrauds, or attempts to deprive or defraud the residents of a state of a fair and impartially conducted election process by the procurement, casting, or tabulation of ballots that are known by the person to be materially false, fictitious, or fraudulent under the laws of the state in which the election is held. So those are the state and federal laws that are most likely to apply in this particular situation. So the question is, do they actually apply? Did the president actually violate one of these criminal election related statutes? Well, as we've discussed many times on this channel, often criminality requires a specific mental state. 
a mens rea. And this case is no different. Sometimes the same actual physical conduct can be criminal depending on the particular mental state that someone had. And the criminal justice system is actually very, very concerned with uh, the intent that someone has. And here, most of the state and federal election crimes require uh, mental states of either willfulness or intentionality. And those carry very specific meanings in the world of criminal law. Willfulness is generally defined as meaning the prosecutor must prove beyond a reasonable doubt that the defendant knew that their conduct was unlawful and intended to do something that the law forbids. That is that they acted with a purpose to disobey or disregard the law. Now, many states define willfulness and intentionality slightly differently. It's a very ambiguous term within the, the world of criminal law. That's actually why people have tried to adopt what's called a, a model penal code, but we'll save that for another day. Now, I looked and I couldn't find how Georgia defines or construes its willfulness requirement in the context of these election law violations. But you will notice that the federal laws also use the willfulness requirement. And uh, there is some case law with respect to the federal laws here. Uh, for President Trump to be convicted under Section 242, for example, a prosecutor would have to show three elements, that he acted under color of law, that he acted willfully, and that he deprived or attempted to deprive someone of the rights of the Constitution or federal law. And courts have interpreted Section 242 to impose a specific intent requirement. The prosecutor would need to show that the president acted with a specific intent to deprive someone of a constitutional right or with an open defiance or in reckless disregard of a constitutional requirement. And as always, the criminal justice system looks to the context and circumstantial evidence to determine someone's mental state because no one can read minds. And recall that circumstantial evidence isn't weak. It's often the strongest evidence that we have. So let's look to the call itself and see what a prosecutor and a defense attorney would argue in the context of this call and the general election. Now, arguably, President Trump's greatest exposure is probably under the solicitation laws. President Trump seemingly asked Brad Raffensperger not to count legal votes. He asked him to find the exact number of votes needed to overturn the result. Just one more than Joe Biden got would do it. In one portion of the call, President Trump seemingly accuses both Brad Raffensperger and the general counsel for the Secretary of State, Ryan Germany, uh, of engaging in criminal conduct. And you're going to find that they are... And which is totally illegal. It's, it's, it's more illegal for you than it is for them because you know what they did and you're not reporting it. That's a, you know, that's a criminal, that's a criminal offense. And, and, you know, you can't let that happen. That's, that's a big risk to you and to Ryan, your lawyer. That's a big risk. A threat that comes from the president of the United States, who of course controls the Department of Justice. He says that it's criminal and you can't let that happen. It's a risk, it's a big risk to both Raffensperger and Germany. When the president of the United States says that you're engaging in criminal conduct, that carries a different kind of weight than when you're just Joe Schmo on the street. And then right after that particular section where he's saying that the Georgia officials have engaged in criminal conduct, he then goes on to say that uh, he just wants 11,780 votes. You know, I mean, I'm notifying you that you're letting it happen. So look, all I want to do is this. I just want to find uh, 11,780 votes, which is one more than we have because we won the state. And that number could be incredibly important because he's not saying he wants all of the fraudulently cast ballots or that he wants all of the uh, incorrectly cast ballots to be uh, reversed in his favor. 
He wants specifically one more vote than uh, Joe Biden won the state by. Uh, President Trump in many different spots says that uh, Joe Biden ostensibly has won Georgia by 11,779. Thus, President Trump wants just one more than that. And that could go a long way towards establishing the mens rea of uh, the criminality that he knows that the numbers are false uh, and that he uh, just wants one single vote more. He doesn't care exactly how many gets as long as he beats Joe Biden. And then arguably in uh, almost the next sentence, he says that he doesn't exactly care how Georgia does it. Call it a mistake, call it a recalculation, just do it and flip the state. And flipping the state is a great testament to our country because, you know, there's, there's, there's just, a, it's a testament that they can admit to a mistake or whatever you want to call it, if it was a mistake, I don't know. A lot of people think it wasn't a mistake. It was much more... Uh, criminal than that. And then President Trump seemingly goes on to cajole the Georgia officials in speak that literally sounds like a mobster. What, so what are we going to do here, folks? I only need 11,000 votes. Fellas, I need 11,000 votes. Give me a break. Uh, you know, we have that in spades already. What are we going to do, fellas? Give me a break. We have it in spades already. I mean, he really does seem like he watched a bunch of 1940s gangster movies. And President Trump just can't even fathom why a Republican official in Georgia wouldn't be trying to do everything possible to give the election to a Republican president. Why don't you want to find this, Ryan? What's wrong with you? I heard, the, I heard your lawyer is very difficult, actually, but I'm sure you're a good lawyer. You have a nice last name. But, but I'm just curious... Why wouldn't, why, why do you keep fighting this thing? It just doesn't make sense. And then President Trump goes on to say that they need to re-examine the election results, but they need to re-examine it with people that want to find the answers, seemingly implying that they should use people who are in on the fix and uh, will actually uh, flip the results. So tell me, Brad, what are we going to do? Uh, we won the election and it's not fair to take it away from us like this. And it's going to be very costly in many ways. And I think you have to say that you're going to re-examine it and you can re-examine it, but, but re-examine it with people that want to find answers, not people that don't want to find answers. So assuming that the actual acts here rise to the level of the, the various election crimes that we discussed and frankly, getting a, a secretary of state to literally change the votes to turn an outcome probably qualifies for a lot of the things that we previously talked about. A prosecutor would argue that these statements show that President Trump uh, does have the requisite mental state for these crimes, that there is a specific intent to violate the law uh, and engage in criminality. A prosecutor would say uh, President Trump is going after exactly the number of votes that's needed to flip the state, uh, that he's recognizing that uh, the information uh, the, is against him and that he is, doesn't seriously believe that, uh, that he actually won the state, that he is uh, threatening the officials in charge of the election results in Georgia. Not only that, but later on in the tapes, he talks about uh, how all the good things will happen to uh, Raffensperger in Germany if they do flip the state in his favor. So he's offering both carrots and sticks to change the results. And it appears that he's single-mindedly focused on the outcome rather than the process. On the other hand, a defense attorney for President Trump would argue based on the context of the call and on the explicit language of the call itself, 
that President Trump did not engage in criminality, that the statements that we just talked about uh, make sense in context. And certainly everyone would agree that President Trump never explicitly said invent fake votes so that he wins the election. It appears that throughout the call, President Trump has an honest belief a subjective honest belief that may or may not comport with objective reality, but nonetheless an honest belief that there was fraud in Georgia. The bottom line is many, many times the 11,779 margin that they said we lost by. Uh, we had vast, I mean, you have, the state is in turmoil uh, over this. And I know you would like to get to the bottom of it. He seems fixated by it. He seems to believe everything that uh, the uh, social media, or as he calls it, the Trump media, he says he does not watch social media. He watches uh, Trump media, but he appears to believe everything that those uh, sources are saying. And also that Dominion took out machines, uh, that Dominion is really moving fast to get rid of their uh, machinery. Do you know anything about that? Because that's illegal. This is Ryan Germany. No, Dominion has not um, moved any machinery out of Fulton County. We're having. Well, but no, but but have they moved? Have they have they moved the inner parts of the machines and replaced them with other parts? No. Are you sure, Ryan? I'm sure. I'm sure, Mr. President. It's it's total nonsense, but he seems to actually believe it. So in the context uh, of that, uh, of the, uh, the Trump news media, and President Trump is looking into ways of addressing the fraud that he honestly believes took place. And yes, President Trump referred to the number 11,780, which is a very convenient number for the president. That's a number that would flip Georgia. But really throughout the call, President Trump is referring to lots of different numbers related to the claimed election fraud at sometimes talking about 300,000 uh, mysterious ballots or, uh, quote, massive numbers far greater than the 11,779. Uh, or he says that accurate numbers would include, uh, more than fifties of thousands. He's convinced that there are far more than the number of votes necessary for him to win. And he's just concerned about finding enough. At one point he says he doesn't want to go after Dominion because he doesn't need to, because there are all these other votes uh, that were fraudulently cast that uh, total far more than uh, 12,000. So therefore they don't even need to get into the Dominion thing. And at the same time, the president's lawyer, Cleta Mitchell of Foley and Lardner says that what they're trying to get is the data from Georgia, that Georgia for uh, legal and uh, privacy reasons has not disclosed a lot of the election related data to them. So they actually can't check some of these fraud related claims and they simply want the data to be able to make that check, uh, though that uh, may seemingly be illegal in and of itself. I think what the president's saying, what we've been trying to do is to say, look, the court is not acting on our petition. They haven't even assigned a judge. But the people of Georgia and the people of America have a right to know the answers. And you have data and records that we don't have access to. And then unfortunately, there's the additional problem that a lot of the president's thoughts are completely inchoate. The problem is the president has brain worms. Brain worms. At one point in the call, he says that he literally thinks that he won every state in the country. Oh, every single state. We want every state. We want every state house in the country. So when someone's head is filled with complete nonsense, 
that actually has a big effect in terms of trying to prove a subjective specific intent crime. So a, a prosecutor would say that you have to read between the lines. You have to read the subtext to the text. And that uh, just like no mafia Don would ever say explicitly commit the crime itself, it's meant through implication and that you have to look at the leverage and the pressure that someone is putting on another person to commit a crime. Well, a defense attorney would say, this is just someone that is extremely concerned about the election who has honest, if crazy beliefs about that election and that they're just trying to explore the legal avenues to come to the outcome that they believe uh, is the right one. And then finally, there is the question of, apart from the potential criminality itself, could this behavior be impeachable? Just the implication of the context itself. And the answer to that is almost certainly yes. Congress has wide discretion to impeach uh, and the Senate to remove uh, based on impropriety. And it's hard to believe that even if the phone call itself uh, was not criminal, that based on the, the context and the implications uh, that the president either knew or should have known that what he was doing was improper uh, in the context of a democratic republic and thus it's removable conduct. But it appears that President Trump finally got his wish. He finally found the election fraud that he was looking for. And when Susan Collins said that she thought that President Trump had learned his lesson from the last perfect phone call and the last impeachment, it appears that he did learn a lesson that he should just do it again. But on the other hand, it appears that the Democratic member of the Georgia State Election Board has formally asked the Georgia Secretary of State to open an investigation into possible criminal violations by President Trump based on the phone call. So it's anyone's guess as to what's going to happen to President Trump as a result of this phone call, both while he's in office and eventually when he leaves. Oh, and one last thing. I know right now you're probably fumbling with your phone, trying to find the next podcast to listen to, but you can't because this is an ad, but it doesn't have to be that way. Instead, you can go to watchnebula.com slash radio. You can get access to all of our original podcasts ad-free, plus exclusive originals and experimental shows from your favorite educational-ish creators. And best of all, you're helping to support us make even more amazing content. So before you go, check out watchnebula.com slash radio to support this channel and this podcast directly.